in a section that I believe should be very edifying to all of us, and we're actually uh, spending quite some time. It's a lengthy series. There are nine fruit here that are in this one bunch of fruit. Uh, it's a well-known topic. People uh, are very familiar with it. Uh, we've been doing one fruit at a time. And uh, this week we're going to do something a little bit different. We're actually going to do three different uh, fruit since they're so closely related to each other. They tie in together. So we'll go kind of in and out, kind of interwoven through and, and keep bringing these three because yet they're different, but at the same time they're so close to each other too. And uh, we know uh, dealing with the fruit of the Spirit in uh, Galatians 5, that we are to be led by the Spirit. So we're to be uh, Spirit-led. It's either that or self-reliant. We're either depending on the Spirit or depending on our own selves. But when we're led by the Spirit, as a result of that, what gets produced? Fruit. And uh, that's what uh, is happening here. And it's by the Holy Spirit. He's the producer. He's the manufacturer. And then He gives us the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the faithfulness, the gentleness, the self-control. And we know that the Spirit is always manufacturing that and, and that we have those fruit always. Uh, we just need to be able to show them. And the more that we show them, the more Christ-like that we will be. The more that we'll look like Christ. Uh, this is what a Christian looks like when they have that fruit showing. The people of God are measured by these kind of aspects. This is a picture, a portrait of what true spirituality is. It's actually a picture of Christ, isn't it? And we are to be Christ-like. So this is a pattern. And it ought to be seen in all of us. It ought to be seen in every believer. It's a, a habitual characterization of all those who trust in Christ. This is really what their character is because that's our new nature. You look at this fruit, this is our nature now. Uh, one time, it um, it really wasn't. We might have shown those things, but they really weren't um, because of the Holy Spirit. It was a different, little bit different look, and a different, whole different, different deal, really. You are kind. You are gentle. You are good because of God, because of the Holy Spirit. And we know that we are new creatures, new people. And what we need to do is develop these characteristics in our lives more and more, every day, each and every day. It's called cultivation. If you have fruit or if you have um, vegetables, anything that grows in the garden, you know, it needs to be cultivated, right? And uh, so that's what we want to do so we can bear it. Um, You know, really, you don't hear a lot about these anymore, that much, about goodness. You don't hear a lot about kindness. You don't hear a lot about gentleness You know, in the church today. You really don't hear that much. Uh, although, I think we take it for granted that it is there. We know that we're supposed to be that way and that should be a part of us, right? We, we know that. But uh, really, when you look at these, you really start pondering on the power of what these are because they're coming from the Holy Spirit. It's not coming from ourselves. Oh, you have to be kind. You know, you can imagine the little Sunday school lessons. You have to be good. You know, you have to be good uh, for, what, Santa Claus to come or something like that. You know, you be good. Well, on our own, we can't. We can't be. That's that's not us naturally. But uh, with Christ, with the Holy Spirit, as we ponder on this, these are powerful words. Amazing terms they are. So we want to manifest them uh, and we want them to be Showing, We want to learn better how to reflect Jesus in our lives, don't we? We want to decrease and we want Jesus to increase in our lives. So anyway, that's kind of where we're at today and we want the Lord to teach us how we can do that. Uh, where we're getting this out of as we're, we are expository, but we're kind of on a topic. <laughs> so uh, we are in Galatians chapter 5. Of course, that's where we started on this. And in verse 22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit, after showing the works of the flesh, the natural person, says, But the fruit of the Spirit is this. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. 
Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. That goes to the end of the chapter and we'll be into that section for too long here. Let's pray. Father, as we look at Your Word today, as we look at all these many Scriptures that back up what it is to be a Christian, to be kind and to be uh, gentle. Lord, we uh, thank You for this fruit that You are the one who is good. And by the Holy Spirit, we can reflect the good one, Jesus Christ, in our lives. Help us today to glean a little bit more from Your precious truth and let the worldly things that are in our minds be filtered out as we let Your Word in. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, the first one is kindness. Kindness. We left off with patience. Love, joy, peace, patience. And here's kindness. Uh, This is the way the Bible defines things. And you'll notice that there are these terms that sound right and the world has an idea what these words are, but without being able to understand God's Word, because they don't have the Holy Spirit, they really don't know what true kindness is. So we're going to delve into this deeper. I think the world has a general idea and they try to practice these things. But defined by the Bible, it takes it much higher, much deeper, much wider the definition that God gives us, and by using the Scriptures we can see. Um, Jerry Bridges defines this word, krestates is the Greek word, neither here nor there, but it's a sincere desire. A sincere desire for the happiness of others, for the joy of others. It's a sincere desire for the happiness of others. It's dealing with others. And you want them to be developing in, in Christ only. It's a, it's a virtue that seriously takes the aspect of other people. And uh, so it's, it's an attitude. It's something that starts here, but it's always something that brings in the action. Because kindness is something that's not thought about, just intended, but it's something that is done. This word actually is so important because it's stemming off the very first one called love. And we'll see that really this is love in action. Love will do kindness, won't it? And so it's an inner feeling, but it's also the outward uh, intention for the good of others. Um, It's love's conduct. This is how love conducts itself. This is how love behaves. It uh, is kind. Now, there's uh, a word in the Old Testament that you'll see if you have um, certain translations. And you'll see over and over and over and over and over again. It's called loving kindness. And that's a beautiful word. And it's actually probably the best that the English word can get. The Greek, or the Hebrew word, and of course we're dealing with the New Testament here, the Greek in, in Galatians, but it, we're going to be tracing through the Old Testament too today here. And when you look at that, it's a beautiful term to the Hebrew people. Because whenever they saw loving kindness, or or the word is chesed, can you say that? Chesed. It's dealing with this loving kindness, but it sums up the very character of God. Take all of the nature of God, all of these attributes, put them together, and the summary is His loving kindness. There's no equivalent in any other language that the Hebrew has. Like I say, loving kindness is about as good as we can do in in the English, and that's why it's translated that. Other translations will use mercy, and that's really good. They'll use kindness that we have here. Loving kindness, of course, as I said. They'll even use goodness there. And we have the word goodness coming up. And you're going to see how all three of those words really just uh, coagulate together and and, uh, mishmash. And they're meaning almost the same thing, but a little bit different nuances as uh, the fruit works in our lives. But it really describes God's covenant love for His children. 
That's, that's the loving kindness of this said of, of the Hebrew people. It's a passionate, merciful, pursuing, unrelenting kind of kindness. He pursues us, right? That's the kind of kindness that He wants us to have. It takes a lifetime to develop this, doesn't it? The kind of love, loving kindness that God has. And we realize that we never have, will have the ability to pay Him back. But think of this, this grace or this loving kindness or this mercy. Put all those together. And to the Hebrew, that's, that's the idea. So all of this is a, it's a combination of fruit we're looking at today. John Eady tells of the kindness that it consists of good deeds that are courteously done and which spring from love. So there's another backup of saying it's just flowing out of that word love. Love and action. It's gentle, too. We'll get to that word. It's gentle. It's mild. Wow, what a, what a term. So this kindness that is supernaturally given to us by God via the Holy Spirit who resides in you, you have an amazing kind of loving kindness. Said. Uh, that the Hebrew would say, one of the greatest fruits there is, this kindness. He said, you know, as I was studying through this, and yeah, I know everybody knows they need to be kind. This is nothing new at all, is it? I mean, little kids are taught that, you know, that are not even Christians, you know, they're taught to be kind, at least I think so, right? Now, do they always act kind? <laughs> no, that's why you have to keep saying, you have to be kind, right? Um, they uh, kind of have an idea how they're supposed to behave, and they're supposed to behave good, but you know what's inside there. <laughs> but what's inside us is this love that God has given us, and this is how we express the agape, that love of God. We express it by kindness. We express it to one another. Somebody said, kindness is simply love with its work clothes on gets its hands dirty. It does something. It, it, it does it. goes out and does something active for somebody. It's, so it's not simply a feeling. And of course, when we talked about love, it's uh, not that what we're talking about. It's a choice that you express, that you go and care for somebody and concern for somebody else. You may not feel like it, but we know what we're supposed to do and later the feelings will come. You do what you know is to be right. That's called obedience. Sometimes we don't want to do what um, we are told to do by God's Word, but yet we do it anyway. And as a result of that, we go, thank the Lord that He led me that way. You know, He, he, he gives the uh, Holy Spirit to convict us, doesn't He? Now, we, we gave some synonyms, meaning words that mean the same thing as we define this. Sometimes you can take the opposite, which are called antonyms, and take that with that, with that word that we're studying, kindness, and look at an opposite of it, abrupt, discourteous, roughness, just crude, rude, cruel, not considerate. And that's the opposite. That's the other side of what our term here is dealing with. This loving kindness. Um, So, anyway, we can see that we don't want to be abrupt, do we? We don't want to be discourteous. We want to be kind. Now, the next word in the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Now, we're going to be coming back to kindness. We're just doing the defining of it, and we'll look at examples and such, where it comes from. But goodness is agathos. Agathos. And it means moral and spiritual excellence. Moral and spiritual excellence. And it is sweet, isn't it? This is, this is a goodness. It's an active kindness. We've already seen that kindness is active. And in that kindness flowing right out of that is this goodness. It's an activity that makes something happen. And it's the goodness. John Murray summarizes what goodness is and he says this, Goodness is that virtue opposed to all that is mean and evil and includes uprightness, kindness, and beneficence of heart and life. So, that's easy. A great writer says something that we already know, but it uh, brings in that excellence, that spiritual excellence, the moral excellence. 
that's goodness. And then we are going to skip to gentleness because it ties right in with the other two. Prautes. And that means meekness. Or it means to have power under control. When you think of meek, you think of uh, the world would define it as somebody who is weak and uh, they just lay down like a, a mat and let people walk over them. And that's not what we're talking about. This meekness is having the power, but it's using that power and controlling it. It's having a very humble and gentle attitude. As a matter of fact, it's submissive. It's a submissive attitude. It, it takes power to be submissive, doesn't it? It takes the very power of God. It takes the Holy Spirit to submit. But when you're offended, be gentle. Be gentle. Be free of uh, a desire to get revenge. That takes in the gentleness. So it's humility, it's meekness, it's non-retaliation. Now the the people uh, that would have been living in the Greek realm at that time when this was written, they had ideas of what uh, this word would be, this gentleness. It'd be like a gentle breeze. Or it'd be like uh, a soothing medicine. Or it could be like a tamed horse. Now, let's go back and let's see what those words could be on the other side. They all have power, don't they? I mean, when you think of a, a, a wind, you think of uh, it can be powerful. Or when you think of medicine, it can be powerful. And then when you think of uh, a horse, we know that it can be very powerful too. You need to put the reins on that horse and the bit in its mouth, right? Where it can be controlled. But um, we know that a gentle breeze is going to bring pleasure. You you think of a nice spring day and it's a gentle breeze coming out of the south and it's not blowing very hard, five, six miles an hour, but it feels kind of refreshing and good. But that same kind of wind could then jack up its power and turn into hurricane-like force and go into destruction. Right? Uh, Power. Out of control. Or you can take a soothing medicine, but if you take too much of that medicine, pain medicine, that is very powerful, if you were to take overdoses of it and take way too much, it can kill you. Literally. That's powerful. Out of control. And then, um, when you think of a tamed horse, if that horse has not been tamed and is not gentle, he can be a wild horse. Be like a bucking bronco and you can't get get on him and ride. He is not gentle. So that's the idea of this uh, gentleness. Now, let's take those three words now and let's go into part two, which is really these are uh, fruit that have actually come from somewhere supernaturally. Someone supernaturally. This is not something that we have naturally. This is supernatural. What's the source of this kindness and goodness and this gentleness, well, obviously, it's God, right? So we'll start with the Father. Now, you know, if we want to improve our fruit, right? That's, that's really what, what we're here for today, right? We want to improve the fruit that, that's been given. We need to recognize this, that it's the very nature of God. It is Him. It is Him. It's His very nature to be kind, It's His very nature to be good. It's His very nature to be gentle. This is the great God that we know. Uh, He is perfect in His kindness. He is perfect in all of those. He's perfect in uh, His goodness. All kindness is going to fruit from the root. He's the source, the root. I am the vine. You are the branches. And we are to bear the fruit, John 15, right? God is the sum. He is the very substance of the fruit. If if God didn't kind of manifest His goodness to people, can you imagine what this world would be like? If He was some kind of ogre. But He's the source of all goodness. His goodness is perfect. I just want to go over some verses dealing with goodness. You guys want to peer into some Scripture? We haven't really turned there yet, have we? 
Okay, let's 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 look at some of these. Let's look at Psalm thirty-four eight. We're going to do a lot of psalms here, so you can kind of hang in one area for a little bit. Psalm thirty-four, verse eight. Everybody likes this one. Oh, taste and see what that the Lord is good. He's a good God. Look at this. And how blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. How blessed we are when we see Him as our shield, as our defender. As we take refuge in Him, we are blessed. We are joyful. We are happy in Him. Right? I like that. Just taste. Taste of Him. Partake of Him and see how sweet He is. How good. A lot of people think of God and think of that Old Testament God and think of Him. Look, we just read out of the Old Testament. He's good. He's sweet. Mm. But people don't like God because they see He's a judging God. And so therefore, He's not that good. Oh, they don't have any idea. He is absolutely good. God is good. We are not. We weren't naturally. But we do have that new nature now. But it's nice to look at where this comes from. This goodness is in our hearts if we've been converted. If one hasn't been converted, they don't have this goodness. Psalm 65, 4. Just a few psalms. Up. Over. 65, 4. How blessed is the one whom you choose. I like that. I had to get that one in, didn't I? Had to get a little bit of doctor of election in here. Blessed is the one whom you choose and bring near to you to dwell in your courts. Remember the song we sang earlier in the scripture out of Psalm 84? Here's 65 too. We will be satisfied with the goodness of your house, your holy temple. Now, I can look at that and say, oh, he's speaking of the hereafter. Ultimately, He is. But is He thinking about now? Definitely. He's thinking now because the temple that that they went to was a representation of what was to come later. They had the tabernacle. Then they had the temple. And then Jesus came and He said He dwelled among us or He tended and tabernacled. And now we know that the Holy Spirit resides in this temple. We are the temple. Individual temples and as a body of Christ, we are the temple. Christ lives in us and so as to dwell in your courts, we will be satisfied with the goodness of your house, your holy temple. We're satisfied. We are content with what God has given us, aren't we? Because of His goodness. We'll be satisfied with His goodness. I like that. How blessed are the ones who've been chosen to to have that. You're blessed. You're blessed today. Did you know that? You're blessed. You know, He is infinitely perfect. Did you know that there is nothing about God that is not good? Never, ever, ever. There have been some times when I wondered. Didn't seem like He was very good. Didn't seem like He really cared. Oh, yes, He does. He is always good at every moment. We sang a song earlier this morning. At every moment, Christ is around us, right? At every moment, He's always good. Infinitely and perfectly good. And there is nothing about God that is not good. He can't do anything that is not good. Feature that. I feel like a failure so many times and so many different things I try and do and it seems like it doesn't come out the way that I want it. It should be this way. But everything that He does is always perfect it's, and He never learned trial by error. <laughs> Nothing ever surprises God. Man, that just blows my mind. That's just thinking on the attributes of God. When you think of that, you're starting to think high. When you start putting your thoughts on Him and getting your thoughts out of there, you are reducing yourself and you're making God increase. Huh? Now, Exodus 33.18. Get out of the Psalms just for a moment. We'll come back. Alright? This should be encouraging. Is this encouraging? 33.18. Moses. 
has already seen some things of God. I mean, he saw the burning bush. And he's been seeing things of God all along. And it's like he wanted more. I can't blame him. Wouldn't you? Don't you want more of God? And aren't you glad that life just doesn't end right here? Or this is the best it gets. This is it. Wouldn't that be terrible? I mean, you know, okay, you know, I'm in Christ and everything. But no, there is there is an ultimate. But Moses just want we just want Christ more and more, don't we? All right. Moses says in verse 18, I pray you, show me your glory. God, I want to see your glory. God could have said, no, I've already shown enough. That's enough. You know, what do you mean you want to see that? You know, he could have acted that way. Look at this good God. Look what he says. God speaks back to him. He said, matter of fact, that's really good that God would even speak back to Moses, isn't it? You know, it's really good that God would leave a revelation of who He is right here in this good book that we have. Do not take it for granted. What we're reading this morning is absolute truth, and it's all about Him. He said, I myself will make all my what goodness pass before you. Moses, I want to see your glory. He says, I will make my goodness pass before you. What does that make goodness? and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you, and I'll be gracious to whom I'll be gracious, and will show compassion on whom I show compassion. But he said, You cannot see my face, for no man can see me and live. Then the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and you shall stand there on the rock. And I'll come about, while my glory is passing by, that I'll put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I'll take my hand away, and you shall see my back. But my face shall not be seen. I have compassion. I have mercy, compassion on whom I want to show it. He didn't show it to everybody, but He showed it to Moses. And so there was the mercy. But what did He show him? His goodness. And then later on, He uses the word glory. His goodness is His glory. Wow! God is great. God is good. Did you guys ever learn that one as a kid? (laughs) God is good. God is good. He's always good. God is good all the time. Oh, we could sing that one. (laughs) All the time, He is good. I mean, that is so simple. It's so basic. But a lot of times, we can surely forget it. We can forget that God is good and we wonder, what is He doing right now? What is going on? Is God that good? Look in Psalm 84, verse 11. Now this is the one when we sing, better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. You know, it's out of verse 10. Uh, Verse 11, For the Lord God is a sun and shield, The Lord gives grace and glory. He gives that. We experience it every day. No good thing. I want you to hold on to this more. If you don't get anything else today, I want you to concentrate on this. Look at this. No good thing does He withhold from those who walk uprightly. He does not withhold His goodness from us. He gives us His goodness always. And it's when we need a certain dose of a certain medicine of goodness. He knows exactly when to do that. Grace and glory. And He never holds back His goodness. No good thing does He withhold from those who walk uprightly. For those who are His are like that. He is good. Psalm 100, verse 3. So basic, isn't it? God is good. Yeah. Psalm 100, verse 3. This is the Psalm 100. You know, enter His gates with thanksgiving, His courts with praise. Same kind of thing again there, isn't it? Better is one day. Are you guys enjoying being in the courts of the Lord with God's people today? There's no better thing, is there? It's great. It's great. We enjoy it. Verse... Um, 3 says, 
what his position is, who he is. Know that the Lord himself is God. Know this, that he is God, that he's controlling things. He who has, it is he who has made us, and not we ourselves. <laughs> Evolution more or less teaches that we came out of ourselves. We recreate, right? We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. And here we go. Why? For the Lord is good. Look at the next word. His loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. I see some fruit of the Spirit right there. But this is him. He is all of this. He doesn't just have to try to put it on. It's Him. His goodness. For the Lord is good. He's good. I think the word there is tov, really, um, for that. But it's pleasant, agreeable, it's it's good, it's delightful. Oh. A lot of people would think, oh, God is, I know exists, but He's a tyrant. And He's just waiting for me to make a mistake and He can jump all over me. That's what He's ready to do. He wants to smash me like a bug. He wants to quelch me. He doesn't want me to have joy. And anytime I start having some joy, He wants to take it away from me. <laughs> is that who God is? Not what we've been reading. But that's what I hear some people say. And at one time, I kind of had that view of God. Yeah, I believe in Him, but man, I better watch my P's and Q's or He'll he'll do something to me. He's good. His commands are good. Love motivates all that. Now, that's the attributes of God the Father. How does He show it? Well, we have to look at the person of Christ, right? He is the one that has to be seen. So when you want to, when you see God, you see Him through the person of Christ, the one who died for us. All the attributes of God the Father are manifested in the person of the Son of God. You get the whole Trinity involved here because next is going to be the Holy Spirit, right? They are seen. The very attributes of the unseeable God is now seen in the person of Jesus Christ who has been revealed in these last days, has been shown completely as much as we can get right now through the Word of God, by the Spirit of God, and we can see Him here. He manifests Himself. He's personified in that look in John 8. Now, you could go one page after another after another about the the kindness and the goodness and the gentleness of Jesus. I just want to do one um, that's the woman that's caught in adultery. And look at the kindness, look at the goodness, look at the gentleness of Jesus here. Whenever these Pharisees, these righteous people who never sinned, they were perfect. And they catch this lady, so now they're going to try to get some things done here with Jesus and make Him look like a fool, no matter what He says is going to be wrong. And it says, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning He came again into the temple, and all the people were coming to Him. He sat down, began to teach them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. And having set her in the center of the court, they said to Him, This is for all to see. They want to make a mockery of this. There are literally, you know, hundreds, thousands of people there. Right there in the the center, right there at the temple. Teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. We saw it. We have witnesses right there. Now, the law of Moses commanded us to stone such women. What then do you say? They were saying this, testing him, so that they might have grounds for accusing him. But Jesus stooped down with his finger wrote on the ground. But when they persisted in asking him, he straightened up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. There's quite the message in that. 
but really we're looking at Christ and His, His gentleness here. Again, He stooped down and wrote on the ground. And when they heard it, they began to go out one by one, beginning with the older ones. And He was left alone and the woman where she was in the center of the court. They're all gone. Straightening up, Jesus said to her, Woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? No, he wasn't looking up. He was looking down. She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go. From now on, sin no more. It's only in Christ that we can in that position. It looks like forgiveness, doesn't it? But uh, is that gentle? Is that kind? Meek and gentle. Good. Wow. And I'm sure she was fearing her life right there. The, uh, the judgment. I mean, and it could have been by these um, Pharisees. And of course, Jesus, the wise one, um, shows them that they are sinners. Okay, if you, if you don't have any sin, then what I want you to do is, uh, yeah, go ahead and throw the first stone. Nobody was left there. They left. And we see the personification of these kind of attributes there. And then the Holy Spirit also plays a big role because it's Galatians 5.22 and the fruit of the Spirit is, right? You know what? He produces the kind of kindness, goodness, gentleness that comes from a different world. This is totally alien. What Jesus did, did just did there was alien. That was that was totally foreign. That was supernatural. This comes from a different realm, another world, doesn't it? This doesn't come from the world. This is the kind of kindness that is authentic. It's genuine. This is true. It is real. You know, we can bear the fruit, but we can't produce it. This is produced by the Holy Spirit. Jesus walked around always constantly filled with the Holy Spirit. And so therefore, we have the supernatural Spirit of God living in us. Let Him rule, right? So we have to let Him produce this in us. We can't do it. We've tried it on our own sometimes. Even as Christians, sometimes we try to be these things and we don't do so good. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 6. Normally you wouldn't even see this probably here, but this is the ministry and the marks of ministry that uh, Paul had been associated with in, in, in Corinth. He says, in purity, in knowledge, in patience, that's interesting, in kindness, in the Holy Spirit. Qualifies all those. The, the, the kindness uh, comes from the Holy Spirit. As well as the patience and the other ones. You know, the Holy Spirit in genuine love. Anyway, produced. Manufactured in us, this fruit is. So now we need to, as we have looked at the triune God, which is the source of all of these supernatural elements here, we looked at the we look at the examples, and we look at kindness. And of course, God is the kind God. We look in Romans chapter two, verse four. This is probably a very familiar verse. It's dealing with repentance, but kindness is a key word here. It says, Or do you think lightly of the riches of His kindness? Riches of His kindness. And tolerance and patience. God has really been kind to us. Man, He has been tolerant. He has been patient. Not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to what? Repentance. How did we ever want to repent and confess our sins? It's the Holy Spirit who came in and convicted us. He regenerated us so that we could repent. You notice the order? It's His power that comes in us so now we can repent and have faith. You have to have faith and repentance to be a believer. And we're commanded to believe in Jesus Christ. And so that is our doing of it. To believe in God. 
to repent. But do you notice the source of repentance? It starts with Him. His patience. The kindness of God because He has allowed us to exist as long as we did till we came to Christ. And He could He could have just taken us out and sent us to hell because that's what we deserved. But no, He was so kind that He gave you grace. Repentance. Wow, that's, that's amazing. How about chapter 11 of Romans, verse 22? Behold then the kindness... Look at this. This is odd. And severity of God. Now that shows the well-roundedness of God. So I like the kindness. I just don't like the severity. People say, I love the loving God, but uh, that's my God. He's a God of love. He does not judge. Behold, look at this, check this out, get your telescopes out, get your binoculars out, look at this, check it out. Behold, then the kindness and severity of God to those who tell, uh, uh, felt severity, but to you, God's kindness. If you continue in His kindness, that will show you that you're a Christian if you continue. Otherwise, you also will be cut off. Look at His kindness, but look at His Severity. He is severe in His judgment. God is good whenever He judges. When God is good whenever He has wrath. Now, our wrath may not be very good. You know, Our anger may not be very good, but God's anger is perfect. God's severity is great. It's perfect. It's good always. Hmm. You know what? He is kind in judging those ones who do not want to trust in Him. Because would you want the constant, continual murders and liars and adulterers and on and on and on, the people hate God, would you want them in heaven? I don't want them in heaven. Right now, my desire is that those people would come to Christ and go to heaven. But if they never come to Christ, they don't want that. They don't want to be there. They don't want to be in heaven. That's not their desire. They've had the opportunity. But they don't want to be there. How would you like for them to be there for eternity along with believers? We'd have battles constantly, wouldn't we? Be just like here. That's why there's a heaven where there are only the people that God has converted. And, but He's kind to unbelievers today. You know, some of them are going to become believers and they'll join too. Titus chapter 3, verse 4. That's a good verse to take to people who say, well, I don't believe in a judging God because He's a God of love. Well, we see it both there. He's kind and severe, but it's perfect. Titus 3, verse 4. For we also once were foolish ourselves. Amen. <laughs> Disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures. Spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. Anybody been there? You know. But look at this. What's next? When the kindness of God, our Savior, and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us. When we were all those things, He saved us because of His kindness and His love. And it was not on the basis of deeds, not on anything we did, which we've done in unrighteousness, or basis of deeds which we've done in righteousness, but according to His mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, there we go, whom He poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And then He talks about being justified. The hope of eternal life. Wow. That's an example of kindness, isn't it? When you think of your salvation, <laughs> how kind was that? Then you have to think of what David did in 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter 9. And you remember, David all the time put up with what all Saul did. And Saul tried to kill him. He chased him. And David had the chance to kill him. And he didn't. And then Saul winds up... Um, killing himself. And we know Jonathan dies. And then Jonathan has a son 
And that means there's somebody in, in uh, Saul's family that's still living. And you know what they usually would do? The kings would do with anybody that had a generation after them? They would... <laughs> that's right. They'd kill them. Get rid of all of them. They don't want any challenge from any of that family before. Get rid of it before it happens. Here's David. And this is kindness. My. David said, Is there yet anyone left of the house of Saul? People are going, Oh, here we go. Here it is. That I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake. Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. And they called him to David. And the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. The king said, Is there not yet anyone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan who is crippled in both feet. So the king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, Behold, he's in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel in Lodibar. Then King David sent and brought him from the house of Machir, the son of Amiel from Lodibar. Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, fell on his face, and prostrated himself. And I'm sure he's wondering what's going to happen. And David said, Mephibosheth? And he said, Here is your servant. He's all bowed down before him. David said to him, Do not fear, for I will surely show kindness to you for the sake of your father Jonathan and will restore you to all the land of your grandfather Saul and you shall eat at my table regularly at the king's table. Again he prostrated himself and said, What is your servant that you should regard a dead dog like me? He he was a dead man. He knew this was it. And he said, Who am I that you would do this? Then the king called Saul's servant Ziba and said to him, All that belong to Saul, to all his house, I have given to your master's grandson. You and your sons and your servants shall cultivate the land for him. And you shall bring in the produce so that your master's grandson may have food. Nevertheless, Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall eat at my table regularly. Now, Ziba had 15 sons. We'll stop there for time. That is absolute kindness. David didn't have to do that. Absolute kindness, but I think it's a picture of what God does. He had the kindness of God. I mean, he pursued God, didn't he? And he showed this kindness. There's another one that... uh, the Proverbs lady in, in Proverbs 31. Um, you see this goodness related to her in verse 26, 31, 26. She opens her mouth in wisdom. Look what she speaks. Great wisdom. And the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. As she teaches wisdom, Powerful wisdom. What really? She does it with kindness. Great kindness. So that's kindness. Good. Only God is good. Um, rich young ruler came up to Jesus and said, "You know, call him good master, right? Good teacher." Jesus said, "Why do you call me good? There is no one good but God." Of course. Jesus was standing right there. Jesus is God, and of course He's good, but the, the, the ruler didn't know that He was actually God. just thought He was a really good teacher, but um, He's essentially good. We, we looked at some of those. I have a lot of Psalms to look at and such, but um, running out of time. Joseph, he was a righteous man. He was good. Uh, we know what he would have done with his... Um, with Mary and Mary and Joseph who we're talking about here. Um, He had the right to divorce her and uh, he was getting ready to do it but he was going to do it privately and was not going to make a scene out of it. It was not going to be something that uh, could turn into a disaster. He did it really in in a way that a good man would do. He wound up not divorcing her, did he? Gentleness, Jesus, um, somebody had written this, He tends His flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in His arms, carries them close to His heart. He gently leads those that have young. 
Jesus carries His lambs close to His heart. He deals gently with them, doesn't He? The macho attitude of our times is what the, the hero is about. But can you imagine a hero who is very gentle? High standards. Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty-eight and 29, have to get this one. It's a, one of the most well-known sayings that Jesus had. We see the gentleness here. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He's gentle. He's good. There's the high standard. I think you see that standard in Paul. I think you see that standard in Peter and all the other apostles as they were changed, as they were willing to give up their lives and go through all the persecution that they did. Quite the examples there that we have. There's a command that is given. We've seen that it is something that is God. It's who He is and yet He has given this supernaturally to us and He says, now, you have the responsibility to bear this fruit. Grow up. James Montgomery Boy says this, kindness is the attitude God has when He interacts with people. He interacts with He's interacting with us today as we worship Him. God has a right to insist on our immediate and total conformity to His will. That's where I don't like God. Him having the right to insist on conforming to His will. He could be quite harsh, Boyce writes, in getting us to conform, but He is not harsh. He treats us as a good father might treat a learning child. This is our pattern, as Boyce says. You know, this kindness, that's an answer to the commands that Jesus said are the predominant commands. How many are there? It boils down to two. Love God. Love your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. Kindness is unnatural. You say, well, I thought it was kind of a natural thing. You just want to be kind. Love God. That's not natural. Love your neighbor. That's not natural. Get away from the natural. Keep dying to self. Selfishness. Live for others. That's kindness, right? Colossians 3.12 Colossians 3.12 So as those who have been chosen of God, you guys like that? Chosen by God. Holy and beloved, that's what you are. He says, here's what I want you to do. Put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Wow. Um, That's the character of the new man. That's the fruit of the Spirit that's there, isn't it? And we're commanded to do it. It's not natural. It's an obligation before God because of what He's done. Kindness and all of this should permeate our lives. Matter of fact, take off the old clothes, put on these clothes. And that's an everyday thing. There is a position aspect that's already been done. There is the practical aspect that says, now do this. Be obedient. You say, well, I'm going to heaven. So, I don't care how I get in. I'm just going to do what I want to do. Are you a Christian? That's what people would be asking. You don't, you don't sound, you don't look like a Christian. No, that's not a mark Christian at all. We want to put off the dirty clothes. You can say, well, my nature is, is I do this. This is just what I do. And, and so, you're going to have to get along with it. That's just who I am. No, you are to be changing. You're not your old self. You're not that flesh person. And I don't care what your background is. I don't care what people did to you and how they treated you. That was, that's gone. That old man is dead. Don't use that excuse ever and say, well, that's just who I am. You're going to have to put up with it. Ooh, I hate that. 
Because that's not that's not biblical. No. Kindness acts when it's inconvenient. Remember the uh, good Samaritan? The good Samaritan? He was. Kindness puts others first. Kindness is not just a matter of feelings. Kindness takes action. Kindness is love in action. It's not just a matter of feeling. Kindness takes risks. You can say, yeah, but they can take advantage of me. Yeah, probably will. Usually happens. Who cares? Be kind. That's unnatural. That's right. Supernatural. Kindness pays the price. Good Samaritan. Kindness costs the Good Samaritan his time, his finances, his appointments, his schedule. He was kind. He was good. He was gentle. Ephesians 4.1 says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. It's a life of gentleness, isn't it? Uh, Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 2.6, As apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you, but we were gentle among you like a mother caring for her little children. The gentleness of a mother. Mother handling a baby. Cuddles and protects. Doesn't treat the baby roughly, uncaringly. Uh, Jerry Bridges writes this, I like this. Gentleness is illustrated by the way we should handle a carton of exquisite crystal glasses. It's the recognition that the human personality is valuable, but fragile. And he says, and must be handled with care. You know those people out there that seem unloving? Maybe they are unloving, or they are unloving. You know what? That's a human personality that God made. But they're very fragile. Chances are, they were so fragile, they were broken very early and they're still hurting. You don't know the background of what all had gone through, but you can see what God can do in the broken person because that's what happened to you. Right? Be careful what you say. Harsh words can hurt. What's the Proverbs say? Gentle answers turns away wrath, but a harsh word what? Stirs up anger. Did you know what? If you get an argument with somebody, you can stop that chain of argument right there if you just become gentle. I have experienced it so many times when I wanted to light into somebody and I just backed off for a second, listened, and at the same time I'm boiling uh, and I'm not saying anything good about me. I'm just saying this is my nature that wants to explode here. And I'm saying, okay, I, I can't, I can't go off on them here. They just said some really nasty things to me about my God, using curse words. But you know what? We can stop that chain of argument right there. We become gentle. We don't yell back and try to match the yelling. It's so easy to do that, isn't it? Yeah, I do that. I know. But a gentle response can avoid much trouble. It's amazing when you get real quiet. You listen. You say something that's wise. You know, maybe they need to hear something, but you're very kind about it. I'll tell you what. Ninety-nine times out of a hundred, all of a sudden, they start backing down, and they get quieter. Gentleness is a defining characteristic of a Christian. If somebody were to put down a, a list uh, of us in here. Would they, would they put gentleness on it? Well, I tell it like it is. I don't pull any punches. I say whatever's on my mind because that's what they've done and they deserve it. And this is the way that I am, so like it or leave it. Is that a Christian? Sure not a Christian response, isn't it? not displaying the fruit of the Spirit, and sometimes we can use some biting sarcasm. We can say some very unkind things. It might be because of well, my background. That's the way it is. That's the way my parents were, so that's what I'm born with, and that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm about, and I'm going to continue to do it. Well, go ahead and rebel against God, and we'll see how He breaks you. <laughs> because He'll do it. 
because the Holy Spirit's living there. We got, we have to finish here, folks. It's a personal responsibility. You say, how you do it? How about a little smile? Maybe it's a person that you can just come up and just kind of pat them on the back. Maybe a nice word. Maybe some kind of voluntary activity. Um, maybe sending a note to somebody. Sending a card just saying, hey, I was thinking about you. Praying for you. Just an encouraging word. Just one little word of saying, hey, just want you to know that uh, I thank the Lord for you. And man, I really appreciate you know what you what you do there. You know, man, I'll tell you that can make somebody's name or a day, and uh, really does. And it's it's a that's a selfless attitude if we can do that and realize that uh, you know we we all have our hurting, I and mean, we don't need somebody to speak gruffly to us or to to say things that are harsh, um, and we want to have the right motive. But it's all about cultivation. We already have these. Thank God this is what we have. We, we can't do it on our own. But this is sanctification. It's developing what and who we already are. This is what we have. We, we need to be kind. It's, it's now our nature. We don't want to be rude to certain individuals. Most of the time we're really kind to most people, but there's one or two people that you just want to be rude to. Uh, we're let the Holy Spirit change that old fleshly attitude, don't we? We are to pursue relentlessly this kind of manifestation that we have. We, we want to pursue it, manifest it, this new nature, and leave behind, put off those old clothes of harshness and rudeness and put on this supernatural gentleness, this supernatural kindness, supernatural goodness. Don't we want to do that? We all can. Are we strong enough to be gentle? Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word and Your truth. Thank You for instilling these properties in our lives. Help us to put them on. Help us to really live these out because we need it in this natural realm that we live in. One day we'll be in a supernatural realm where everything will always be in a perfect state. In the meantime, it's not. And so we recognize where we live, where we come from, where we're going. And we take this fruit and we want to bear it because it resembles Jesus Christ. And they know our love for each other. In Jesus' name, amen.